This year, Walters Kluwer is celebrating 10 incredible years in the cloud with their CCH Access platform. While others are just trying to break into the cloud, CCH Access has more than a decade of proven stability with a complete array of tools for your tax, audit, and firm management workflows. Stay tuned to learn why 15 of Accounting Today's 20 fastest growing firms trust CCH Access later in the episode. But if we are at the point where someone can't be out of the office for two or three days, then that's that's bad. We are at that point. Yeah. I don't think reducing the number of hours to get for the CPA is going to solve our talent problem after reading emails like Noah's. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Coming to you weekly from the OnPay Recording Studio, this is the Cloud Accounting Podcast. Welcome to the Cloud Accounting Podcast. I'm Blake Oliver. And I'm David Leary. And we are live, recording live, at the Paget Retreat Conference in Scottsdale, Arizona. Woo! So, David, we got in late last night. Where were we? We were in Austin yesterday at Bitwave's conference called EDOS, which was Enterprise Digital Assets Summit. And... You know, we've been crypto skeptics on our show. It's documented for a little while here. And what was great about that conference, it was just accountants and bookkeepers and CFOs and controllers that are solving crypto issues when it comes to the bookkeeping. Because ultimately, you know, Nike, for example, is producing maybe NFTs to authenticate if shoes are real or not, collectibles, things like that. Well, that falls on a controller's lap and they get to solve these problems. So it was great to be around accountants and now we get to be around accountants and bookkeepers and tax preparers again today. What was really amazing about that conference was for me, this, that being my first crypto conference, realizing how so much of what they're dealing with is the same stuff we're dealing with with small businesses. It's all data, getting data into the accounting system from some sort of other system. So, you know, we're dealing with bank feeds not working and trying to import all those transactions and reconcile them. They're dealing with that on a like order of magnitude greater challenge level of getting a hundred different wallet addresses and getting all those transactions in at huge volume into accounting systems. So just be glad you're not, you're not dealing with that. Well, what was the problem but, you had yesterday? It was the decimals. Uh, 90 decimal points on transactions. Yeah, up to 90. It's like, what? I wanted to shift it all over, but anyway, <laughs> use some commas. But uh, yeah, and what was interesting to me, David, about that uh, was uh, there was actually a presentation by um, Mackenzie Patel, yep. who's a young crypto accountant in the Bay Area, and she actually showed the debits and the credits of these transactions. And they're really very simple. Even if you're accruing, staking income kind of thing or deferring that, it's all really simple. It's just super high volume. So... Um, yeah, check out Bitwave if you, if you have crypto clients, because they seem to be solving it. And check out their EDAS conference. Yeah, and when we partnered with them, we created a podcast with them called uh, Crypto with Accountants. But then we also created another podcast with Paget called Federal Tax Updates. How many of you listen to that show? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, I was listening to it on my drive here this morning. I was listening to Roger and Annie talk about tax season uh, debrief and everything that y'all have been going through. A show of hands, how, for how many of you was tax season easier than last year? Please raise your hand. Like two hands, two hands up, <laughs> and like 100 people. And, and how many, for how many of you was it harder than last year? Wow, wow. That's interesting because I feel like I've heard that it's, it's gotten easier. At least that's what the surveys have saying, are saying, but you know, maybe with the type of work that Padge is doing, maybe that's not true. And actually, maybe that's a good time to introduce our guest, David. Yes, so we have uh, two guests here. We have the CEO of Paget Business Advisors, Jeff Phillips, and we have the COO of Paget Business Services, Amanda Aguilard. Both are friends, friends outside of the podcast, and it's a, it's, I'm very honored to have both of you here. Thank Jeff, you. how you doing? Thank you so much for being here. Paget extends a warm welcome, and it's good to see you guys. Thanks for having us, this uh. is fun. Amanda, great to see you too. Yes, I love seeing y'all. Anytime I can c- come up and give you guys a warm hug, I'm happy to do it. I miss y'all. You two are like part of the original, uh, the OG crowd of cloud accountants. So we're honored to have you on the show. I think Blake just called us old. I <laughs> felt very old when I heard him say that, but you're right. But it's, it's a young way of saying it, right? So that's what my son would say. Actually, no, I think even that might be 
I'm just sus in the eyes of my son, who's mm-hmm. eight years old. <laughs> sus. sus, everything's sus. Sketch. But where were we? We were talking about why tax season was harder this year. What's going on? Um, tell Jeff. Let me start with you. Tell me a little bit about Paget. Tell us about Paget. You know, and and like, what are we? A lot of people don't know about it, but it's actually an enormous mm-hmm. accounting firm. Paget is a network of 170 community small business focused accounting firms. Some of my friends when I got here had not heard of Paget, but Paget's been in business for over 55 years. It's based in Athens, Georgia. But what makes it unique is that these offices are independently owned. They are owned by local entrepreneurs who are building firms. And it's kind of at the center of this network is a corporate office that provides a lot of services to those offices. And, and what, what makes it, I think, really enticing for the owners is they are not going through the entrepreneurial journey alone. There is a playbook. We provide a technology stack and research and discounts on, on the technology, which we're constantly updating. We have a marketing team. We have a national tax support team. And it's all designed to give them an edge, but also, and because I know we're going to talk about this, such a big focus for our company is improving the work-life balance of people who own tax accounting firms. And so we're always trying to find ways to provide that value because that's such an important part of it. So I think I heard you say 170-something offices. Is that right? Yeah. So when I was at a top 25 firm, we had, I think, 100 partners. Right. So like Paget is a big deal. I mean, that's, that's a lot. That's just in the United States. We have 100 offices in Canada. So if you... If you oh, wow. The, the ranking services don't look at us as one firm, but we'd be in the top 75 largest firms in the United States yeah. if you looked at this. But we're really... Well, they should. I mean, I don't know. What's, what, what's the criteria for that? Like, all these big firms that you see, they're really just individual offices all sharing the same logo. Right. <laughs> and, like, and in a lot of ways, right, the way they're run, Right. But it, what, I think what's interesting is, like with Paget, it's you know you all are serving Main Street businesses, right? Right. It's not just you know go mid market and only serve these you know bigger 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 businesses. Like you all are on the front lines. You've been an entrepreneur. I've been an entrepreneur. There's a great satisfaction that comes from knowing that we are helping people that create jobs and communities uh, have their financial their financial aspects of their business together. There's a lot of stress that comes with that. We like to think that we alleviate that and, and make their lives a lot easier, help them run their business. So Amanda, can I ask you, when everyone raised their hand saying this year was harder than last year, why is that? I think if you ask a group on, we're sitting at the end of April, any year, it's always gonna feel harder. Um, I think that what we do a bad job of is remembering when it comes to July, August, and September how bad it was. It's like having a baby. I've had two babies, right? And I would have a bunch more now because it was no big deal. <laughs> it's no big deal. Isn't there like a chemical in your brain that right. causes amnesia? Well, it's almost the same thing. I mean, I, I think it's yeah. almost the same thing where we get, by the time we get to the, the end of the summer, we're like, it really wasn't that big of a deal. It was a big deal, and we need to make changes in our practices. Um, to build efficiencies, to build some margin, to build capacity, and most importantly, to protect our mental health around um, our profession. Staffing is a constant problem in the profession. Are you all experiencing the talent shortage? Yeah, Yeah. I'm getting a yes from the crowd there. One of our stories that we're going to talk about today is how municipalities cannot get their books done and they are losing their bond ratings. I mean, that, we're talking about schools not being able to be built, police stations, fire stations not being able to be built because of the accountant shortage. So it's, it's real. It's, it's, it's going to start hitting. It's here for sure. Um, Before we jump into the news, though, um, we are at, this is the pageant retreat. And I noticed you guys played with the word treat as it's like so R-E, something good. Capital R-E, yep. then treat. And then the word treat. And, and we're at the JW Marriott in uh, Scottsdale, which is... Pretty nice, I gotta say. Yeah. You guys put on a nice conference. Yeah. This is great. So, so, yeah. so, so either one of you can answer this, but like, what is this event? Who is it for? Who's here? You know. This event is for our firm owners um, to get together after busy season, which is, as we've just Three discussed, days ago. Is, is brutal <laughs> and it just ended. And we do two things. One, 
it is a time for rest and to catch up on sleep and to be in a beautiful place and be inspired and feel good and um, and also get together and have a lot of fun. We've had an awards banquet. Um, we've had a, we've had a couple fun dinners. We played some golf, and we do a little bit of content that's usually around something that's sort of big picture because we think that now is the time to fix any bugs in the system before we you know, forget about some of the pains of the busy filing season. So let's, let's deal with that. And so um, one of the, the, the theme of our week this week was, was a topic near and dear probably to all accounting firm owners, which is pricing. And so we've had James Ashford, who's the founder of Go Proposal, we had Shannon Vincent, who's uh, founder of the Renew Group, come in and help us think outside the box about the pricing in our firms how we price, what services we sell, and, and how we kind of manage our relationship with our clients. So everyone's going to raise their prices? Is that, is that happening? Yeah! Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> See, it <was> that simple. <laughs> well, I, I heard a panel uh, before we came on here today, and you all were talking about different ways to do it, right? Because it can be really uncomfortable. And I'm with you there, like, uh, having that conversation, actually in the meeting with the client, trying to explain to them why you got to double their price, like, that's not fun. So I'm, I'm eager to hear, Amanda, what's the, what's the strategy that James taught y'all on how to raise prices? Like, what's the, what's the, for those listening in who didn't get to be here, what would you tell them? Well, it, it, it starts with understanding your value, right? It's understanding your value and knowing we are not just selling transactions. We are not selling the time that it takes for us to do the thing we are delivering. It's, it's around what is that worth to the client? And we, we constantly undervalue what we have, probably because we are beyond capacity and we're rushing through things. So we feel like we know we could do a better job for our clients, but we can't, we don't have time to. Um, so it's, it's like just sitting with it for a minute and saying, here are the things I really am giving of value to these clients. And there is a monetary number, a monetary equivalent to that. And that's what I need to be asking for. That is what it is worth for me to do this because I'm giving up a lot of other things. I'm giving up time with my family. I'm giving up opportunities to pursue other lines of my business. I am. Um, I have invested in my education. I have invested in my training. I, you know, I've done this for a long time. So there is an equivalent exchange. And if my, you, my client, are not okay with paying that, we're okay. We can still be friends. We we just aren't going to do business together. Um, because that's the, that's the number that it, it takes for me to live the practice life that I want to live. So it's really around, around mindset. And, and the truth is, and we've heard this consistently throughout the week, is most of the clients know they should be paying you more anyway. Mm. So you just have to ask for it. So it's, it's really believing in yourself first and then asking for it. Because if you don't believe that you're worth it, then you're not going to Right, because I think you know, we're all so busy and we have this just guilt and um, you know, shame around, well, I should be doing this. I'm, I'm, I'm over, again, over capacity. I don't have staff. So I wish I would have done a better job on this. I wish I would have had more time to review this deeper or come up with a solution for this tax liability. Or I wish I could have, um, I could help my client maximize cash flow because I know I'm capable of doing that. Or I wish I would have had a chance to bring my kid to practice. It's all these wishes and things. And so that's like the constant narrative in our heads. But the reality of what we deliver to our clients is very valuable. You know, so it's, it's like wrapped in this, in this cloud of, um, of guilt and wishes, but that needs to be stripped away. Strip, strip all that away and do what you know you are worth, you know, capable of doing and ask for what it's worth. Mm -hmm. Don't apologize for it. Stop apologizing. Stop apologizing. <laughs> I love it. This episode of the Cloud Accounting Podcast is sponsored by Wolters Kluwer. This year, Wolters Kluwer is proud to celebrate 10 years in the cloud with their CCH Access platform. CCH Access is the tax and accounting industry's most comprehensive cloud platform, specifically designed to help you focus on the work that matters most to your clients and your bottom line. With a proven cloud platform for tax, audit, and firm management, CCH Access delivers seamless integration and efficient workflows that will transform the way you do business. Hosted in the cloud, CCH Access enables your team to be just as productive at home 
home or on the road as they can be in the office. With all your firm's data in a single secure platform, your data becomes more usable, providing valuable insights into your clients and your firm's operations that less connected solutions just simply can't offer. Additionally, CCH Access offers a wide range of features and functionalities to help you manage your practice more efficiently, from automated data gathering and processing to advanced analytics and reporting. CCH Access empowers you to make the data-driven decisions that drive growth and improve client satisfaction. CCH Access is perfect for firms of all sizes, scaling to meet your needs, whether you're a small firm or a very large one. In fact, 94 of Accounting Today's top 100 firms trust CCH Access to power their firms. If you want to elevate your practice with CCH Access and join the ranks of successful firms reaping rewards of this innovative cloud platform, head over to cloudaccountingpodcast.promo slash access. That is cloudaccountingpodcast.promo forward slash A-X-C-E-S-S. Well, should we get to the news, David? Get to the news. Yeah. All right. So I teased my top story. It's the accountant shortage is so real that dozens of cities have no credit score because they didn't file financial paperwork in time. So the numbers are real. Like, so 64 local governments, S&P, removed their rating completely. And then in, uh, last March... Uh, so S&P is the, you know, one of the bond rating firms, right? Rates these municipalities, said these bonds are good to yeah. buy, right? A, a, a plus kind of stuff. And then another company... Uh, Actually, it might have been S&P as well. In March, they did 148 other ones. So every month, there's so we're talking like of 200 happening. municipalities yeah. now that yeah. don't have a bond rating? Yeah. So here's an example. The municipality of Marion had planned to finance a new $10 million firehouse with a bond deal later this year, but that project and others are on pause because the city north of Columbus, Ohio, doesn't have a credit rating. Another example. Delwood, Missouri, a city north of St. Louis with a population of 5,000 and a full-time municipal staff of 11 lost its A rating from S&P. City Administrator Terry Wilson said the cause was a backlog of work due to staffing issues at the city's external accounting firm. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's not good for your reputation in the city of Delwood with only 5,000 people, I imagine, right? Word gets around. <laughs> but, I mean, this is shocking to me. Uh, I mean... It's not shocking because we know this has been coming for a long time, but now we're really starting to see the impact of the accountant shortage. And I'm hoping that this actually is what starts to drive the profession to maybe make some changes. Yeah. We talk on our show about reducing the education requirement to become a CPA, maybe allowing people another path instead of the 30 extra hours. I'm really curious to know, do you all support 150 hours to get your CPA or is it or are you okay with 120 plus experience? Let's say we swapped the extra 30 hours for a year of experience, went back to that. Who is in favor of keeping it the way it is? 150. And don't be shy, it's fine. I get people all the time say, I like the 150. Sure. Okay. It's a high barrier to entry. Who's in favor of swapping that 30 hours for another year of experience? It's, the, it's, it's, it's like the whole, room. It's so it's the whole room, it's unanimous. It's the whole room. It's the whole room of accounting, owner, accounting firm owners. Why do you think that is? I mean, maybe you're having trouble hiring. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's incredible. Um, you know, we've seen stats on the show, uh, something, you know, close to 20% of accountants quit. I'm rounding up mm. during, the, during the last few years, U.S. accountants and auditors. People just got burned out, I guess, you know? We've been talking about this for a while, haven't we? <laughs> <It's just true. laughs> yeah. Well, they, I just wonder how bad is it going to get before something is done? What's interesting to me is it used to be the problem's coming, the problem's coming, the problem's coming, and now, we're, now it's, uh, oh, uh, there's no accountants to, to actually do the um, bond ratings for cities, and yeah. that's just one example of, of this problem wearing its ugly head. This is just they couldn't get their financial statements out the door. Right. They, right? They can't. Wow. So actually, that's a business opportunity there. Yeah. Uh, spin up a practice. I don't know if that's appropriate for what you all are doing, but I'm, you know, any of our listeners. listeners yeah. yeah if, if you're listening... I mean, there's an opportunity here. Do accounting, financial statements for municipalities and target that to all these ones who can't get their, their, their current firm. Go ahead, Amanda. Well, what I was going to say, you, you, you guys and I have friends who have, who have firms who hire non-traditional workers, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of them, you know, we are looking to folks in the hospitality industry who have customer service backgrounds or, I mean, I'd rather have someone that knows how to talk to people 
and that I can train to do bookkeeping or accounting yep. than vice versa. And, and to your point, there's, there's, it's such a shortened, um, there's such a shortage in the market. It's really hard to find people that are credentialed, but and a lot of our friends are hiring sort of outside the, the norms yeah. of um, accounting degreed folks. Blake and I were talking about this in the plane last night and Blake said like, what's gonna happen is ultimately these credit rating, rating agencies, they make money issuing, issuing the ratings and the yeah. reports. And they're going to probably start accepting non-CPA reports. And that just opens the door for, like, there is, dominoes are starting to fall. So that would be like the worst case scenario, right? Is that the market doesn't supply enough auditors to audit and to you know, do these financial statements. So what if the market says, well, we'll just get non-CPAs to do audits? Somebody's got to do it. I mean, so it has yeah. to happen, right? The, the, the cities have to issue bonds. Somebody's going to have to audit them. I mean, that, that could be the ultimate catalyst for change, maybe. Do you think that this is going to, it really is? I mean, I feel like we've said this over and over again, like something has to change, something has to change. Do you think this is the thing? Yeah, if it, if it starts to attack the, the, you know, the, what do we call it? The franchise of the CPA license, which is audit. If it starts to attack that, I think the leadership might realize something bad's about to happen, right? I don't know. This, um, for me, what I'm reading into this is, is, the, is the issue of just the middle market CPA firms. That, that are, these are the ones that are having the biggest, I feel like they're bearing the brunt of the talent issue. Um, by the way, well, it's interesting, Jeff, though. So uh, Accounting Today put out their annual top 100 list, right. uh, you know, which we can argue about whether or not that's you know, accurate. Like, I think Padgett should be on there. Me too. To make that happen. Uh, there's a firm called Your Part-Time Controller that's on there. Mm-hmm. They've never been allowed on the list before because they don't do auditor tax. They only do financial statement preparation for nonprofits. Pretty cool. They're on the list now. 75 on the list. Yeah. Um, but uh, what I was getting at with that is the revenue at the top 100 firms jumped like 18% last year. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, how is that possible? with a talent shortage so bad that David got fired from his firm, which is in that group. <laughs> top, top 100, yeah. And they, you, you know the CEO of that. Yeah, I, I knew the CEO and I still got fired from the firm. Yeah. Sorry, David. I mean, I feel like you could have pulled some strings there, David. No. Like, but I, inter- I understand, you know, I, I, I was talking to the tax preparer and she said, you know, she did 85 hours, you know, every week for the whole last tax season and she just can't do it anymore. And I forgot how many hours for the whole year she worked. Yeah. But I'm like, I get it. Like, I understand where they're coming from. Like, you just can't work people to death. So my theory is that this revenue went up, but it's all M&A activity. It, it's all these firms that are merging in to the bigger firms because they've got no one to buy the firm. There's no young staff to take over. So what do they do? They, they merge in. They buy other firms. Right. That's my theory, too. They buy other firms, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so you've got the... The top 100, the top firms are getting bigger because of this M&A, but the same problem that's hitting the small firms that you all are feeling is coming for them too. Mm-hmm. It's just five, 10 years away, mm-hmm. right? They've just pushed the, they kicked the can down the road with all this merger activity. Yeah. But are they gonna hold onto the staff to serve the clients? I don't know. Not at 85 hours a week. Well, the, you know, everyone, the narrative is that we're in a recession or we're, we're, our economy is struggling. But if you looked at the job data uh, for Q, Q4 of last year, 3.5% unemployment, which is very, very low. Yeah. At, the, at March, they released it again, 3.5% unemployment. Accounting and auditing is half that. It's 1.8% unchanged. That's like, that's like, might as well be zero. Everyone's employed yeah. who wants a job, sure. has a job. And so... You know, you know, you know, I came from the job board industry and then started a staffing firm. You have to pry people loose to staff your firm. But one of the things that I think is kind of interesting, there's the same amount of supply, no matter how you cut it. So where are these people, you know, how do we fill our jobs? These big firms on big top 100 firms that tend to live on the coasts are calling CPAs in the middle of America in Omaha, Nebraska, who work at a local firm, a smaller mid-market firm, offer them a 25% pay bump, work, work in your pajamas and your kitchen table for us, and um, they're making them offers in about three days. So wow. it is just this cattle call process. The wow. large firms are removing the talent from the middle firms yeah. and then working remotely on the coast, giving them a big pay bump. Oh. I wonder if that's gonna work long-term, if that strategy I don't think will it work. Is. Nasbus got plans. I saw on the oh, news yeah. they're going to extend 
Good news, it's everyone. Time to take the CPA exam to a whole 30 months. That's actually, I think that's yeah. great. I'm glad they did it. Um, so what was it? It used to be 18 months. Yep. I, got, I only got 18 months to pass my CPA exams, though. You know, I don't know if this is quite fair. <laughs> now all these young whippersnappers are going to be able to get 30 months to did pass you take it. Your, did you take your exam on a computer? I, I did. Then yeah. don't talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, I was at the Prometric Center where we weren't allowed to bring water into the testing room. Oh. Yeah, now they get water when they take their exams, <laughs> believe it or not. But you only have to take, you only took one section at a time, One right? section at a time, yeah, I know, yeah. Y'all, you guys, I mean. It's... <laughs> anyway, I'm, we're glad uh, that, you know, David, I'm going to speak for you. I think we're glad that they've expanded the window. Every little bit helps, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, it's funny, though, because a lot of times we'll hear this from the ICPA and NASBA. We've talked about this in the show. They say they, they survey college students. Oh, the 150 hours is not a barrier of entry. It doesn't matter. But then I saw, it's funny, I saw an article from Pepperdine University Newsroom, and, and it's an article targeting students to become accountants, right? And it's a little marketing, and, and it's a great article. But Pepperdine, ta- Pepperdine, Pepperdine, like near LA. Yeah. Yes. And okay. they, the article talks about becoming a CPA. And it just talks about how you just need some experience. Nowhere in this article does it mention the 150 hours, which tells me no undergraduates know that they have to do that extra year of college if they get into accounting. Like, it's not anywhere just arguably disclosed. You got to get them committed and then spring it on them, right? Tell them their senior year of college. College, yeah. Oh, by the way, did you sign up for our Mac? It's only going to cost you 20% more. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that's going to... But it move the needle, this, this change? That with, on the testing window? Mm-hmm. I think it'll help. But I, I think, you know, my gut tells me if they cut the, if every state passed an alternative to 150 and went back to 120 with two years of work experience, I think we could easily increase the supply of 10 to 20%, which, you know, that's material. But ultimately, I don't think we can solve this problem with people. And that's why our next story is about AI, chat, GPT, hmm. Okay. The survey, survey first. Who yes. here? Who here in this room has used ChatGPT themselves? All right. I think we got like half the room. That's that's pretty nice. impressive. Can we do a follow-up? Yeah, How ahead, many of you used ChatGPT to actually assist you in doing work at your firm and not just play with ChatGPT? Okay, so yeah. a little slightly smaller Small, percentage. Yeah. You know, maybe like twenty percent there or something. So, I think you know ChatGPT for writing emails for composing, creating content is just fantastic. Amanda, Jeff, have you, you all tried it? Played with it. Yeah. I think it's chat.openai.com, right? You can sign up for free and you can play with their model version three, which is not bad. If you pay 20 bucks a month, you can play with the GPT-4 model, which is the one that everybody's freaking out about because it's so good. That's the one that passed the bar exam. That's the one that can pass AP bio, okay? they didn't put it through the CPA exam yet, as far as I know. No, they haven't put it through the CPA exam, but they've uh, put it through some CPA or accounting courses. And apparently students are getting about 78, 79% of these courses and ChatGPT v4 only got 49%. So there's a lot of articles this week. And we talked about that actually last week, that study that was done, but it really hit the mainstream news media this week. And it's just like, it fails when it comes to accounting, that was the story in accounting today, was that ChatGPT yeah. like, failed. And it was picked up on all the major courses. media. Yeah. But <laughs> the problem is they're giving it problems that have it do math. And it's important to remember that ChatGPT is a language model. So the fact that it can even do math hmm. is incredible. It's basically the equivalent to, think of it like autocomplete on your phone, right? Where you type a few words, and then it suggests the next word. Mm-hmm. That's essentially what they've built Uh, to a huge scale, right? To the point where you can give it a prompt and it can then write, based on statistics, what should come next from that. Uh, But it's not thinking. It's not doing logic. It is just auto-completing. What are you you seeing for for accounting firms getting use out of this? What are the use cases? So we saw some news this week that Canopy, a practice management solution, has integrated it into their suite, and now you can compose emails using AI. And I love this as a use case for firms. And I would say this is probably the... Firing your clients. Yeah. It'll write those letters for you. So you need to fire a client. Really uncomfortable. Or or actually raising a price. You need to raise your price. Very uncomfortable. You might spend hours writing that email. Okay, sign up for ChatGPT and give it a set of bullet points. Say, 
you know, ChatGPT, please help me write an email to my clients. Here's the situation. You give it the bullet points, what you want it to say, and it will compose that email. And I mean, I, I'm a professional writer at this point in my career, having done, you know, like five years in marketing. Mm -hmm. uh, it's better than I am at writing. Okay. Wow. And you can tell it what kind of tone to use. You can say, I want to be super professional. I want it to be more casual. And it will do that. Uh, it improves your existing writing. There's a plugin that I use, uh, an app called Jasper, which is layered on top of OpenAI's technology. Uh, that's a Chrome plugin. You can sign up, get the Chrome plugin. You can highlight a paragraph of text, and you can say, improve my writing. And it will then improve the writing. And I do that constantly. Everything I do now, I run through that. So uh, Grammarly just released this as well, if you like Grammarly. Yeah. That's a good one. It's going to be an Outlook. It's going to be in Excel. It's coming. Yeah, yeah. It's coming yeah. and everything. So Amanda, do you, have you budgeted, has Paget budgeted any investment or money into AI and ChatGPT that you're researching for the firms? No, but I mean, you guys know, I try and keep my fingers on the pulse of what's going on in the accounting tech space. So, so one of my roles at Paget is to vet technology and technology partners. So I don't, I, I, I don't know yet where that falls in our you know, processes and, and how, we, how we work, but, I, but I'm paying attention to all you smart people. This episode of the Cloud Accounting Podcast is sponsored by Zoho. Zoho offers a unified and powerful suite of cloud software that can run your client's entire business as well as your firm. From accounting and bookkeeping to sales and marketing to HR and operations, Zoho has it all, including a CRM, expense tracking, bookkeeping, full office suite, a support ticket system, workflow automation, inventory, invoicing, subscription management, and a checkout app. And as your clients grow, they can integrate with over 50 plus apps that can run every aspect of their business, all from one login and one subscription called Zoho One. Zoho also has a partner program for accountants, bookkeepers, and consultants. As a Zoho advisor, you can list your firm on Zoho's partner directory leading to discovery by Zoho's over 85 million customers. Zoho advisors also get a dedicated partner account manager, early access to product releases, in-depth product training, certifications, and more. If you want to learn more about becoming a Zoho advisor, head over to cloudaccountingpodcast.promo slash Zoho. That is cloudaccountingpodcast.promo forward slash Z-O-H-O. Well, well, I just like PwC has now set the table. They're going to invest one season is one billion dollars over the next three years in AI, ChatGPT. They're going to train all sixty-five thousand employees to use it, like one billion dollars over the next three years, just leveling up their AI. So, I, so, so, I always so it's wonder a table when they set say, for your budget now. When they say they're going to spend a billion dollars, does that just mean that they're giving everyone an hour a week on their time sheet? Bill, billable hour. <laughs> they're not writing. It they're so. not actually like spending the it money. Sounds right? great. That's yeah. like yeah. like. Did you all hear the news about EY's failed split? And right. they said that they spent, you know, like $600 billion on this. I'm like, how could they have spent $600 billion? Don't they do this kind of consulting internally? <laughs> yeah. No. Like, it's all timesheet data, right? <laughs> it's all just... Isn't there some guy in a closet somewhere that just has this off the top of his head? I, yeah. I, I mean, that's, that's their expertise, right? M&A? When can, when can AI help me respond to all the emails in my inbox and open them, answer them, and respond so I don't have to. I think that's coming oh, later this year. Yeah, so months, Microsoft, this is, this is when y'all are gonna start using it because we haven't talked about the security concerns, but that's real, right? Like mm -hmm. putting client data into ChatGPT is not a good idea right now okay. because they use the data to train the model. So you're basically giving that data to OpenAI to ingest into their Borg-like you know, database of all knowledge in the world. You may not wanna do that Unless you put that in your uh, uh, engagement letter. Right? <laughs> <laughs> if people freak out about India and the Philippines, they're probably going to freak out about India. Exactly. Um, so, so you probably don't want to be putting like, confidential client information into it yet. But Microsoft made a big deal with OpenAI, like a $10 billion investment. And they are integrating OpenAI into all the Microsoft products. Hmm. So in Outlook, I'm guessing this year, I mean, they'd be crazy if they didn't roll this out as soon as possible. You're going to be able to reply to an email or you're gonna be able to click a button that says, compose reply for me. And if they do it right, it will look at all the prior correspondence mm -hmm. with that client, with that person, and then put in all the details correctly. That's the problem right now, is that OpenAI kind of just makes up stuff if it, there's gaps. But if it has the data, it will go find it and use it. Yeah, and so. I saw KPNG contacted Microsoft and got a custom version of ChatGPT built. They're actually calling it internally ChemChat. 
And they rolled that out in the first day, 20% of the firm's workforce in KPMG Australia used it. So people are starting, like, the, the big firms are in. They're so so think about all this, like, wow. little client communication that kind of kills you by a thousand wounds. Right. Just asking for something, like, hey, can you send me this, or can you give me this piece of information, or my, those mortgage brokers, man, you know? They just, they just want everything. Mm -hmm. uh, if it could just go find that in your share file or in your whatever system you're in, right, and, and pull that out and attach to the email and send, and not send it, but like queue it up for you to send every morning, that'd be pretty sweet, right? Yeah. I mean, how many hours do we spend on emails just going back and forth with clients? And hours and hours. Think about what you could train it to do the repetitive tasks, the proactive communication to your clients, mm -hmm. you know, your, your, your monthly update or whatever it is, and you could queue it up to do that. The one I'm excited about is the tax organizer. Yes. Yeah. I think this could be the end of the tax organizer because, Ooh. you know, you got to implement it correctly, but, you know, Canopy or Carbon or any of these, you know, practice management solutions could go look at last year and say, okay, here's the things we need from last year. Let's go ask the client for these and we're going to do it one at a time until they get them and it could all be automated, like a chat-like interface. Now you're, now you're getting the people in this room excited about a use case. Now, yeah. people are like, their eyes are opening. So if anyone has a question, we would love to answer that for you. So we're going to pass yeah. that mic around. It's coming down the aisle. That's really cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm so excited about this. Just like for me personally, project management, pushing projects mm -hmm. forward, you know, I'll forget to follow up on something and then it'll, it just will sit there for a week. But AI could really help me. Yes, sir. So uh, do you mind know, saying, say your name? Uh, Chris DeLong from San Francisco. We know the big firms are putting tons of money into this and there's a lot of implementation behind it. How long until it's, it's mainstream for smaller firms um, or mid-sized firms to be using this? Because what kind of implementation are we talking about? It's really up to the practice management software, these uh, portals to build it. And I'm encouraged by the fact we've seen one already do it. We mentioned Canopy. Intuit's I mean, made announcements. Like, by the end of the year, you will have stuff in your firm using it. Well, I don't know. If you're on the stack, oh, might all be right, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Email your rep. Uh, they... <laughs> well, so that's the problem in tax, right? And I'm so sorry. Like, this is going to be edited, right? Yeah. <laughs> Shall I bleep it out? Bleep it out. That's the problem is like when you are heavy in tax, you're on these solutions that are just not cloud enabled really. And they, they're slow because they don't have any competition. You know, they're just, it's just fat and lazy. Right. And it pisses me off. The whole... And you don't even do tax anymore. I don't even do tax, okay. but I'm angry yeah. on your behalf. <laughs> All of the yeah. options available to yeah. small accounting firms are, are, are you know, are, are not cloud-based. I, I think if you could pull in all the emails and you could link up to the file storage solution, right? Mm -hmm. An AI could work around those limitations. Mm -hmm. So hopefully we won't have to wait for unnamed software company to build it. Well. Hmm. <laughs> Jeff, uh, the look have... on Jeff's face is priceless. I wish we, we could. A, a lot of accounting apps are started by accountants and firm owners. That's right. Like, Paget could solve this. You could build the next generation of this. That's a great point. I'm getting some negative body language feedback over from the audience. <laughs> your, uh, your IT folks? <laughs> mm. Yeah. Well, we've already jumped into app news. Really, with this canopy stuff. Should we keep going, David? We could talk more. I mean, this is Amanda's specialty, right? You see the apps. Jeff, you want to stay? You want to, you want to bail? You want to stay up here with us? Up to you. Yeah. I'll, I'll stay up, but I'll just... Uh, this is not my expertise. Okay. Just hang out. I'll, yeah. I'd love to hang out. All right. I feel cool. So we talked about canopy launching chat GPT, AI. We're going to... Actually, I really want to go talk to canopy and find out just exactly how, how much it goes into the email history, because I feel like that's really important, right, for for making it actually work. What else do we got, David? Um, there's all these neobanks, right? Uh, Lily is one of them. It's, uh, and now they're claiming they're a super app. And the reason I brought this article is because the press release, the founder goes on to say about how banking and accounting are part of the same process, yet legacy banks historically have separated these functions, causing small business owners to spend nearly 100 hours a year on taxes and accounting. They call this feature Lily Smart. It lets small business owners manage their own bookkeeping without needing an accountant. <laughs> Hey, we've heard that before. Yeah, sure over not. and over again. <laughs> not naming names. 
A single button click generates profit and loss statements, cash flow statements, expense reports, and sends invoices. One button. We're, we're at the point of, well, Amanda, I think about it this way. With cloud accounting, like zero, uh, bank feeds, all that, we, we automated 80, 90% of the work in bookkeeping. But we still haven't really done that in tax. We haven't gotten those kind of improvements. We've almost gotten no improvements, really, over the last 10 years in terms of the amount of time it takes. But that could be coming. Well, I don't know. Like, I mean, I think a lot of tax decisions are made not on this is um, the way, you know, if X, then Y. I mean, you know, you have to understand a person's complete financial picture. And that's not anything that chat GPT accesses, right? Yeah. So you have to know, are we, you know, is this, is this client looking to retire in five years? Is this client you know, have a, a child that needs help. There, there are so many other factors that are not in the financial data. And that's where our value is, is understanding all the pieces and making, helping our clients make the best decisions. So I'm not sure that it's, it's maybe, it could probably get us a lot of the way there. Well, I'm wondering. Don't even do the, the, whole, the whole thing. Could it help create the questionnaire? Well, sure. Right? Yes, sure. The short, and not just that full you know, list of every question we could possibly <laughs> ask. And then you have to go through and figure out what questions to ask. Your staff have to do that. It could actually like look at the situation, feed it the prior returns, feed it the prior source stocks, and then have it ask, you know, what 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 might be different? What should I ask about this year? Maybe it could help with that. You know, Blake and I, you know, we've been doing this podcast for half a decade now almost, and we finally took a plane flight together. <laughs> and so we were chatting last night. And you brought up this use case, Blake, about how, you know, partners at firms or tax partners that maybe have only focused on one small piece of the tax code and just like memorized it. Like, that could be replaceable, that skill set. Yeah. Yeah, so think about the guy at EY who just does RevRec and has memorized all 600 pages of 606 or whatever it is, right? I think that an AI could take facts and circumstances from a particular case and apply the, the code or the standard to that case and give an, an answer that's quite accurate. So instead of going to emailing him, hey, I have this client over here, I need some help, I need your perspective and your answer, just bypass him entirely and use yeah. ChatGPT. Now that's great because you all aren't in that you know, world of like, I don't even know what you call that, those super technical expert people, mm -hmm. right? You're all serving clients. So the more, the more client facing you are, the less you are replaceable. But those people who are just sitting there applying you know, obscure standards, you know, leaseback arrangements or whatever, who are the expert in that. I'm not sure, I mean, there probably aren't enough of them anyway, so they'll get, they'll get a lot of help, I suppose. But I think that's where it could be really useful. I, I got excited when you start, when you're talking about the organizer, because when you look at our process, just one of the biggest log jams that we have or bottlenecks is just getting the data from the client. You mentioned right. it earlier. So owners of accounting firms are chasing down clients with multiple emails and texts and phone calls and really just waiting for the work to get done. And, and I think there's an opportunity here to eliminate some of that. Yeah, chasing the clients is tough because I've seen apps that, we've seen apps that try to do this, yeah. mm -hmm. but then they end up annoying the client because, mm. right, like because you set up the reminder and then they sent you something but not through the app and so it keeps sending them the reminder for the thing. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Yes. Yeah, but. I texted it to you. <laughs> I sent you a picture of my W-2 on your phone. It's a collection of 20 JPEGs <laughs> via iMessage. Right. Yes. And you know what actually is, uh, I really do believe that, and th I'm, this is not just me you know, doing futurist kind of bullshit stuff. I really think that ChatGPT could take those 20 JPEGs and make the PDF for you. Mm -hmm. Like it, mm -hmm. it's that smart. It could do that for sure. Um, so, you know, hallelujah, right? We're, I mean. We're in on that. Yeah. So I think, I think the smart solutions will be these portals, or maybe it'll be like an add-on that you, you pay for or something, will build like a chat interface for your clients. Well, I mean, will it, will it devalue some of the apps that are out there where that is their value prop? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, unless they um, integrate it, yeah. mm -hmm, right? That's interesting. It's yeah. super powerful. Hmm. Um, but you're gonna shave time, right? Like if it can shave 10 minutes, 10 minutes, 10 minutes on each client because it's gonna do your organizer chasing. And if you can use it, uh, one good use case we've thought about a lot is everybody creates these wikis in these central knowledge repositories. Mm -hmm. And you're, you spend 20 minutes like clicking through folder structures to find the one document you need. You can just ask that and it just summarizes yep. what's on your wiki or on your, your internal network. Um, and that just, that stuff saves you time. And if you save 10 minutes here, 20 minutes here, at the end of the week, you can go to your kid's basketball game.
Let me you ask you all this, the dream. So, you know, you guys came into the, the industry, cloud accounting industry, around the same time as me, call it 10, 12 years ago. No. <laughs> no you, I go way back. I go I said, desktop wow. QuickBooks, I, I desktop QuickBooks. Yeah. So a question for you guys. You know, when we started in the cloud accounting industry, call it the early teens, um, we thought integrations were going to solve all the problems, right? Like integrating, you could integrate apps into your GL, and then you just set it up, and it's going to work forever and ever and ever. But the reality is that they have to be maintained. Mm -hmm. They have to be constantly tweaked. Do you think we're going to have that? Is that going to happen with ChatGPT, or is it so good it will just maintain itself? I think it could maintain Zapier integrations. Why not? I mean, it can already do simple coding. So I think there's potential for that. I mean, just remember, we're only on version 4 of this GPT thing. And version 1 was last year, <laughs> pretty much. So it's kind of... It's really exciting to think what's going to happen in the next few years with mm. this technology, especially now that Google has woken up to it. Um, they're working on it in China as well. Like, I mean, all over the world, all the tech money is going into AI at this moment. It's, 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 it's been described as uh, an iPhone moment. And remember how much mm -hmm. smartphones change the way we work. And... Think about that in terms of, I mean, this is like an it, internet it, moment, honestly. It, it feels different if I step back and look at some like being milestones of technology and promises, like, like Matt just talked about, the promises of these technologies. And it, what, three years ago, four years ago, it was like blockchain, we don't need accountants, blockchain's <laughs> gonna save, solve everything. Right. And all these accountants were going to all these conferences, learning about crypto and blockchain, and it really didn't go anywhere. It was, it was pointless waste of education, right? And then, la even, not even like 12 months ago, it was all metaverse. You're all going to be not going to retreats. You just put on the goggles and sit in your living room. All metaverse. I it bought didn't go a anywhere. I bought a this, pair. This, this feels different. Yeah. It really does. There's, there's something different about this. It's not just hype. I, I, there's oh. something here. And then, like, it does, even if it's not, it's like 20 bucks a month to pay for it. Yeah. Well, if you save you 10 minutes a month, it's worth the money. And, it's, and I think that for bringing it back to specifically us accountants having to work with tools that are not really cloud-enabled and that don't have all these connections, these APIs, that's what's held us back. AI could bridge that gap. I know the guys at Tally4 have been working on this. They're building plugins that will get in your data from like a QuickBooks file into your tax software, even though the tax software doesn't have an integration. And they do it through... Uh, you know, using a form of AI, right? Like that plugs in the numbers like a person would. We call this RPA, right? Robotic Process Automation, whatever you call it. It's just manually doing the clicks. And the better that the AI gets at fuzzy logic, the better it will get at doing all those clicks. Because that's what we're doing in our brains. When an interface changes slightly and you have to click somewhere else, you know, you recognize that change. In the past, an AI has not, and it failed, and it broke. But now it's going to be able to say, oh, when I click, nothing happened. OK, let me go back and try again. It can, it can do some of that basic. It's not critical thinking, but it's almost like a problem solving kind of uh, aspect to it. So yeah, it's not so black and white. Nope. This episode of the Cloud Accounting Podcast is sponsored by Keeper. By combining client communications, file review, reporting, and your task management, Keeper has everything you need to run your bookkeeping or cast practice. Keeper is an all-in-one app that allows you, your team, and your clients to easily collaborate to make your monthly close as efficient as possible. Starting with a beautiful custom-branded client portal optimized for bookkeeping work, your client can answer questions you have about uncategorized transactions, allowing you to categorize and automatically post them to QuickBooks Online correctly, all without ever leaving Keeper. Via the month-end file review feature to surface transactions, that may not be posted correctly, and by providing the perfect customized report that each client may need, Keeper can highlight the value that your firm provides clients. Keeper's built-in task management ensures nothing falls through the cracks, and it includes time tracking so you can see where you and your team spends their time. With Keeper's 1099 manager, you can easily review each client's list of vendors, email address, physical address, tax ID, and the amount paid, and from the same screen, even request W9s for any vendors that you're missing information for. No more jumping between screens or browser tabs. Keeper has a very affordable and clear pricing model that starts at only $8 a month. To learn more about why thousands of bookkeepers and accountants trust Keeper to manage their month-end close and to get 20% off your first three months by using code CAP20, head over to cloudaccountingpodcast.promo slash keeper. That is cloudaccountingpodcast.promo forward slash K-E-E-P-E-R. 
technology goes away eventually. Microsoft shutting down Microsoft Dynamics GP. So which so that's is their great, great, great Plains, their desktop. Their desktop version, Great Plains. Yeah. Anyone here use a Great Plains ever? Oh, I, I, I absolutely did about yeah? two years ago. Yeah. All right. And they're, so they're finally pulling the plug on that desktop product. Now, if you're an existing customer, nothing's changing. You're good through, I think they said 2028, 20, maybe longer, but they've stopped sales as of April 1st. Mm. Like they're, they're finally shutting that down. Hopefully, Intuit will follow up with QuickBooks Desktop and we'll see that the rest of the desktop dominoes start to come down. No, no, we, we, it's never coming down. It's never going, right? We're going we're to have QuickBooks Desktop in 2050. I'm with you. Uh, who here is still a client you know, that's on like 2006 QuickBooks Desktop because they don't want to upgrade? <laughs> yeah, we got a hand that's there. Uh-huh. I don't pay any f- subscription fees. I got to download all the payroll tables Do you manually. have one computer oh. specifically set aside in the office just to run that? <laughs> oh, he's firing him when he gets back. That's all right. That's Our work is done here then. Well, and you can ask, you can ask ChatGPT to write the email and just tell it. The reason is that they won't switch off of QuickBooks Desktop 2006. There you go. So I think we wrapped up app news. Usually on our show, we record a few, you know, our listeners know, and some of you live, if you don't listen, hopefully you will listen, but we'll do listener mail. So I don't know if we have any listener mail or do we want to open it up to the folks in person, do in-person mail? Okay, so I'm going to do one uh, email from a listener and okay. then we'll pass the mic around. So if anyone wants to, anyone have any questions or comments? Comments are fine too. Please raise your hand. We'll come around with the mic. All right. So here's our listener mail. This is from Noah. Noah said, hello, I am a new listener to the podcast and just heard the episode where you went to the CPE conference where the comment was made that the average age of attendees at most conferences are older than 40-ish. I work at a public accounting firm and only our senior managers and above go to conferences. They use it for business development and connections. We were told, I'm a second year associate, by the way, that associates, seniors, and even managers aren't really at the liberty to go to conference for CPE since we have work to do. So I guess one of the reasons, at least from the side of some younger associates, is that we just aren't allowed to go unless we take our own PTO and pay our own expenses. <laughs> I personally would like to go to meet other people in the industry, but I don't think it's in the cards for a lot of us in the newer stages of careers. Love the podcast, Noah. Thank you, Noah, so much for writing in. Sorry, I'm curious Noah. to know, Jeff, Amanda, you know, bringing staff to conferences. It is tough, right, as an owner, because who's gonna run the shop when you're gone? But if we are at the point where someone can't be out of the office for two or three days, then that's, that's bad. I don't think reducing the number of hours to get for the CPA is going to solve our talent problem after reading emails like Noah's. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Because <laughs> let's, I mean, let's, just, let's just be just better employers. He let's just, just wants be... to go to an accounting conference. The yeah. poor guy it, just it, wants yeah. to go to an accounting He wants conference. to go to QuickBooks Connect. You yeah. know, he wants to... He wants to do that. Can like, we start a GoFundMe so Noah can go to QuickBooks Connect? <laughs> yeah. I actually think that's a great I'm idea. I'm in for 50 bucks. It's really not that expensive either. I mean, they really subsidize those ticket conference. prices. And you know what? You don't have to stay at the Aria. You stay at any of the hotels on the Strip. Like Anywhere. Dave and I share a room. You know, yeah. it's cheap. You, can, you don't even <laughs> have to You can make it happen. Bring the, the new trend, by the way, um, among, this, among the, the conference elite. <laughs> conference elite is... <laughs> To not even buy a ticket to the conference, just to buy a ticket to Las Vegas and yeah, you can do friends that. at bars. That's actually my recommendation. David I, and I have told our listeners, if you can't afford to come to AICPA Engage, just come to Vegas during the event and come to our party. Yeah. That's, that's and we, we actually are going to, are we doing it? Is it really happening? You're going to, I don't want to commit just yet, but <laughs> yes. We, we want to have a million downloads party. We had a million downloads of the Cloud Accounting Podcast probably last week in May, which is the week before ASPA yeah. Engage, and it'll be great to have a million downloads party. Yeah. So we just got out. But parties cost money. All right. I've got more listener mail, but I'd love to hear from our audience. Jerry Creasel from Centennial, Colorado. I was going back to Jeff's comment about solving the 150 hour issue, but. Does it, and I get this idea from a tax speaker. He's from Evansville, or somewhere near Evansville, and, but I've done CP through him. And he thinks the problem is that the accounting uh, schools, they're set up for the benefit of the big four. And he, th- that, he thinks that's the bigger issue, that, that so few of these people are going to work in big four. If they do, they're not going to be there very long, and that they need to be taught more practical applications, how they're going to work in industry, how they're going to work as their own owner or for a smaller firm. So I like your ideas on that. 
Well, first of all, couldn't agree more. Uh, I mean, I, I personally, I'm a career changer, and I didn't go through my accounting education all that long ago. And I was shocked at how theoretical it all was. And I was really lucky that I was working as a freelance bookkeeper at the same time, so I could take the debits and credits I was learning and the T accounts and actually put the journal entries into the accounting software. You learned real accounting. Yeah. And, and I could see the impact in my... I, would, I was using my Zero demo account, you know, the one you get when you sign up. Mm-hmm. And I would, I would make the journal entry, and I'd see, oh, here's what happened on the statement of cash flows and the balance sheet. And I can't believe that schools don't teach that way. And it, it would be such a simple thing. It's, it is, he's right. Jerry, you're, you're right. It's, 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 uh, it is constructed to the benefit of the big four, and the professors are, are pushing the big four in that narrative. And um, I don't see that changing anytime soon. And I'll add, I think, you know, the big four are the, are the firms that have the resources to take a baby accountant with a college degree and train them how to do actual accounting work. It's very hard for somebody like me and probably you guys to, to say, okay, well, I'd love to develop. I, I would love to have a young, interested accounting degree student, you know, come in, but I don't have time, the time, the you know, capacity to sit next to them and teach them how to balance a checkbook, how to use zero, how to use our other apps, how to think of, you know, things critically, how to communicate with clients. So it's a, it's a problem for the small to mid firms to, um, to invest in. The, the big four, have a, they have a machine for that. Now, there's some good news. Um, there are some professors out there, a handful that we know, who are adding in more practical learning into their curriculum. Uh, Jennifer Johnson at the University of yep. Texas. Yeah, Jennifer. Uh, there's also a, a couple of professors from Utah Valley University that actually came to speak with us to get input on what they should put into their practical awesome. courses that they're working on. So I think the, some of the universities serving you know, mid-sized firms, smaller firms are starting to see this gap and hopefully they can plug it. Hopefully they're listening right now. I do think uh, we had listener feedback from a listener where she teaches at community colleges and she wasn't allowed to use QuickBooks in the class. And she had to use whatever the yeah. software that was in the back of the book, and that was it. They could not teach people QuickBooks. And then we had a listener, a voicemail last week on our show. And all of you should go listen to last week's show because it's about a five-minute long voicemail. But Go download all 350 uh, yes, episodes all while you're at it. That would help our But download. essentially, it was a listener, and she was on a college tour with her son. And they showed the Accounting 101 lecture hall. It's got 500 seats. And it's a shame because Accounting 101 is like, it's the... Weeders. Gauntlet to yeah. scare everybody away from accountants. Accounting. Well, it's it's, used, it's, accounting, unfortunately, is often used as a filter in the business schools. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? The way that like bio is used for pre-med students and stuff like that. And I just think that's like they should make economics that. Like make the dismal science the dismal class. Yeah. You know, don't make accounting. <laughs> Do that. But any more uh, any more feedback or questions from our pageant audience here? We are standing in between you and the golf course and the pool. <laughs> I know. I would we love can to. just wax poetic for a while, cool. if you like. <laughs> all right. Uh, I'll wrap up then. Good. Well, thank you all so much for joining us today for our live recording here at the Paget Retreat. Thank you so much, Jeff. Thank you, Amanda. Yeah. This has been an honor and a privilege. Hope to see you all next year. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Cool. Time for the classifieds. ClientHub automatically sends your clients a task for each expense or deposit marked as uncategorized in QuickBooks. Your team will save hours of time and the best part that it's free. Introducing the free ClientHub recategorized plan. ClientHub is bringing the freemium business model to accounting apps. They are so confident that you, your team, and your clients will love the free recategorized plan that will lead you to implement all the features of the award-winning ClientHub into your firm's workflows and communications. Using ClientHub in your workflow is a guaranteed ROI, especially since it is free. To schedule your demo, go to clienthub.app. That's clienthub.app. Is it possible to scale your firm while significantly reducing your workload so you can spend more time with your family? That's what Marie Phillips did when she tripled the revenues of her multi-seven-figure firm 
thanks to Future Firm Accelerate. Designed for busy firm owners, Future Firm Accelerate gives you the system, training, coaching, and the community you need to systemize your firm so that you can scale it while working less. The program is built around founder and CPA Ryan Lozanis' six-part Future Firm framework, which he used to scale and sell his own firm, Zen Accounting, to a major international organization in just five short years. To learn more and join over 700 other modern firm owners scaling their businesses, go to www.futurefirmaccelerate.com. That's www.futurefirmaccelerate.com. We don't like uncategorized transactions, but we do like cats, and we love Uncat. Thousands of accountants and bookkeepers have switched from sending spreadsheets of uncategorized transactions to their clients every month to using Uncat. It's easy. Uncat syncs with QuickBooks and gets clients' responses back so fast, you can close the books on time, every time. And you're going to love the price. Uncat is just $5 per month per client. And bonus, start a 14-day free trial at Uncat.com, and they'll send you a $5 Starbucks gift card. Get yours at Uncat.com. Are you tired of spending hours manually adjusting your balance sheet and reconciling your accounts every month? Say hello to NetTracker. Automate tedious tasks such as adjustments for depreciation, prepaid expenses, accruals, and deferred revenue. With just a few clicks, selected balance sheet accounts are updated and reconciled. No more stress and hassle every month. NetTracker makes monthly financial reporting a breeze. Try it now with QuickBooks Online, Zero or Sage Business Cloud, and see how much time and energy you can save. www.nettracker.com. That's www.nett-tracker.com. Want to get the word out about your newsletter, webinar, party, Facebook group, podcast, ebook, job posting, or that fancy Excel macro you just created? Why not let the listeners of the Cloud Accounting Podcast know by running a classified ad? Hit the show notes for the link to get more info.